too anointed to be disappointed. Yeah. Ephesians chapter six. We're almost done with the book of Ephesians. Let's get done with uh, let's get done with the children. And uh, you know, this is a very important message. I want you to know that. I I want you to know something about this message today. The first time I went through the Ten Commandments was some, oh, a long time ago, 1995. I was 36 years old when I preached the first time through the first the Ten Commandments. And honor your father and your mother is in the top ten. And so this has got to be the most important message to parents of all time. It's not only the top ten, it's the top five you know, right after, uh, do not have any other gods, do not make any griven images, do not use the Lord's name in vain, keep the Sabbath holy, honor your father and your mother. And it comes with the promise. It comes with the promise that you may live long in the land that you will possess. And this, this commandment comes before murder, adultery, lying, and uh, coveting, and stealing. It comes before, and it comes at a point in time where, in today's culture, we really need to hear this message. It meant a lot to me back then because my children were a lot smaller. But now that I'm older, I'm thinking, okay, so how does that affect me now? And some of you are thinking, well, I ain't got no kids. Well, it's okay. I mean, you know, because I want you to know something. Because if your parents didn't have any kids, you're not going to have any kids either. Just so you know that. Let's see if you can work that one out. No, just kidding. <laughs> If you don't have any, if your parents, if your mom didn't have any children, guess what? You wouldn't be here. Put it that way. But what I'm trying to say is that all of us, this, this commandment is very important to all of us because all of us are a child of someone. You may not have your mom and dad with you now, but all of us are a child. All of us are, uh, our parents in a sense, either spiritual parents. All of us have the ability to raise up children, maybe not of our own, but those that we influence. There are people that look up to you. And so this message is mainly focused on, as Paul is trying to tell us, children and parents in chapter 6 of Ephesians. Let me go ahead and read this, and then we'll get into um, uh, the, the, the message today, and we'll apply it to our lives as best we can as the Lord leads. But it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, this is the first commandment with the promise, Paul adds, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father in heaven, thank you once again for this portion of scripture that seems so obscure to some of us because of our aid and where we're at. But Lord, each one of us have been a child and continue to be someone's child. And each one of us may or may not have had children, but it affects each one. And I pray that we can learn how to apply this to our life today. Thank you once again for your word, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, it seems like every time there's a crisis in our country, and I talked to you guys about this here last week, about the Great Reset on what they're trying to do economically, but it goes further beyond economics because the very first thing that most cultures try to attack is your faith and your family. And as you have seen, the family has been under attack these several years now. I want to say the last two years, 10 years, you know, it's been from the very beginning when the first murder that took place in all history was between two brothers. And the first murder was done because one did not like the other. And from that point forward, it has been just one chaotic event after the other. We talked about husbands and wives last week and, and how Paul had seen women in, in the culture that they were in and elevated them to the place where of prominence. And the, the, the world tells you that the Bible says that you ought to subjugate women, that men are chauvinists, that those that believe women's or wives submit to your husbands has to do with chauvinism and they have no care or concern about their spouse or their wife or women in general. It, it's not true. 
as we talked about last week on where women were in that culture. They were chattel, they were slaves, they were possessions. And wives were just meant to be kept at home to bear children so that the husband can carry on his lineage through that wife. But for purposes of fun and excitement, they had concubines. And then if they really just wanted to get wild, they would have prostitutes. So women had no voice, no care, no anything in the culture. And Paul came over and says, you know what? Women are held to a high esteem. He says they were created from the side of man, not from the head, not from the toe. And they were created to be a helper in this process of a family. And gave them equal standing with different responsibilities and different roles. And when we understand that, we start to realize, you know, being subjected to somebody, a husband, uh, especially if you're a wife, or as we talked about last week, husbands also submit to their wives. And the, the commandment that Paul gave last week, the, the, the part of it that was the longest was for the men. On how to submit to their wives, how to love their wives, how to nurture their wives, how to care for their wives, how to support their wives, how to protect their wives. Yeah, yeah. And, and the responsibility, man, is going to fall upon you. It's going to fall upon you. It's not going to fall upon your wife. It's not going to fall upon your children. The responsibility is going to fall upon you. As God came into the garden after the first sin... And Eve was the one that was deceived. Eve was the one that took it. Eve was the one that gave it to her husband. God didn't come into the garden and say, Hey, Eve, where are you? He came into the garden and said, Adam, where are you? In essence, where were you? Why weren't you protecting? And he held man accountable. Men, you will be held accountable. You have been brought to a higher standard. You have a higher standard as a Christian man, as a Christian husband, as a man of the church. You are brought to a higher standard than the rest of the world. From the very beginning, God wanted to create a very peculiar people. And he says, you will be different. You're not going to be like the rest of the world. And this world is trying to destroy the family. The family's already destroyed in some sense. It's trying to destroy religion, trying to get rid of religion and faith. And every time there's a problem comes up, it, there's, there's always this attack on religious views yeah. and family views. Yeah. Yeah. And so our schools, as I've been stating, you know, it's, it's beyond me on how it is that they are able to get away with all this and, and basically saying, these are our children. We're going to raise them the way we want. And when we come to this portion that we have children under submission, the submission of children, number one in your outline, the submission of children. When we come to the submission of children and the, the understanding of their responsibilities and their roles, the only place that we can go to that gives us the answers is the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God. Amen. God's Word has always been the basis for right parent-child relationships. You know, as I mentioned to you last week about how women were viewed in those days, children were viewed in just the same way. There was what was called the, uh, the, 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 the familial, the, the patri power, the father's power. And he had the power to either accept the child or to reject the child. When the child was born, they would bring them to the marketplace and they would lay them at the father's feet. And the father would inspect the child. And if he needed another girl in his family, he would say, okay, he'd pick it up and say, let's go home. And it wasn't like today. Like today, you would go, you'd have a child, it's the husband and the wife, they're there, and, and, and you know, the child is born, they bring them home. But if there was anything that the father did not like about that child in the Roman era, they would just walk away and leave the child there. And people would come and, and they would pick these children up and they would use them for themselves or, or they would sell them or they would keep them and raise them uh, into slavery or prostitution. And, and that's how it was at that day. If the child was disabled, it was deformed in any way, of course they would, they would have it killed. And so it was up to the father to either accept that child as it was or to reject it. And in today's culture, we have something similar to that. And it's not this Roman law that we have. We call it now abortion. I remember when my granddaughter, she's 15 years old now, 14. I remember when she was first born, they said to her, you know what? There's going to be a problem with your 
granddaughter. They told my daughter, this is going to be a problem with your child. You already have one daughter. I mean, do you really want to have the second daughter? They, she says, well, what's wrong? Well, she might be missing a kidney. And not only she might be missing a kidney, there could be other complications as well. And so we suggest that you, you know, probably earn, uh, excuse me, end the, uh, the pregnancy, especially now that it's, it's you know, and, and they're, they're trying to talk people into just aborting children. And, and there was a time when, when that was just something that you wouldn't do because you don't kill children. You don't kill the innocent. I mean, it's a child. It's a human being. You know, I mean, besides what the Bible teaches, it's a living human being inside of the body of a woman. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because they got the Land Rover and Mars. They got all these mechanical things everywhere looking for life and if they were to find a germ or if they were to find some single-celled uh, amoeba of some sort if they were to find some kind of for, they, would, they would call it life but when it grows inside of a womb it's just tissue and it's this culture is so so quick to try to get rid of Every child. Now, I understand the argument. The argument is, well, you know, what about incest and what about deformities? You know, okay, those things, they do happen, but they're, they're not the result of ending a pregnancy. That is just a, a cruel way to bring up a child. You know, to be honest with you, I don't understand. I don't know many people that that has happened to. As a matter of fact, after they've done some surveys, they find that only maybe 10% of the people that are going in there is because of something similar to that. Over 85 to 90% of the people, out of convenience. I just don't want it. I just don't want it. My granddaughter, poor kid, she was born premature. She had some complications, yes, but she's alive and running around and beautiful. You know, it's, it's great to see this child grow. But society has the same type of cultural mindset as they did back then. If you don't want it, you can keep, you don't have to keep it. Just get rid of it. And in the Roman days, and in, when Paul is talking to the parents, he's talking to them, okay, first of all, children, obey your parents, okay? Because these Christian families that are raising you up, they're raising you up to love them, to honor them, and to love God. So, when we look at this commandment, why is it that God gave us this commandment? Well, number one, first of all, number one, as a child, we have to understand that there are different phases in our life. We, we, we are children in different phases, either as a child, as a young adult, or as an older adult. And as, as a child, we look up to our parents. As a young adult, we're kind of uh, almost equal with each other. We're kind of working with each other. And as an, as an older adult, we're looking and caring for our parents. But as a child, number one, as a child, I need to obey and listen to my parents. I need to obey and listen to my parents. The Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. It's just right. You see, one of the reasons that God gave this commandment, number one, is because, first of all, you need to honor your parents. You need to honor them because there are no perfect parents. You know, if we were only going to honor those that were perfect, then guess what? Nobody would get the honor. God gave us this commandment because he knew that there was something inherently wrong with every person that's called sin. And each one of us, we sin. And because we're sinful people, we raise up sinful children. And so God gives this commandment, honor your parents. You know, it's not saying only those that are honorable, but you honor them because, number one, they're the ones that brought you into this world. When God saw the need for you to be born, he went to your mom and to your dad got their DNA and says, this is what I need to create this person. They brought you, God used them. And they may not have been honorable parents. They may have been very mean or hurtful parents or whatever the case may be. They may not have even been there, but God used them and you honor them for that. A second reason we need to honor our parents is because when we honor those that are above us, we learn how to honor the, the, those that, that we work for or the authorities. Yeah. It teaches us how to honor people in authority and in leadership. A child that grows up undisciplined and not willing to listen to authority is going to have a hard time holding down a job. It's going to have a hard time with the law. Some of us grew up that way because we had parents that were just out of control, it seemed like. 
You know, I, you know, I, I can't, I can't believe that that God gave me these parents. You know, I didn't choose these kids. I didn't choose these parents. Why would you give me these parents? Well, you know what? I have something to tell you that they had no choice either. <laughs> when you were born, you were just born. And for some people, most of us, and in, in especially when I grew up, it wasn't planned. It wasn't something that we says, okay, my mom and dad says, okay, well, let's have a child now and have another child. No, it, was, it just happened. Now, it's good to plan, but as a child, we need to obey them and listen to them because they are the ones that have, first of all, brought us into this world. Second of all, they teach us the, the principles of authority and they help us. And we need to listen to their counsel. The Bible says in Proverbs twenty three twenty two, listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. You listen to them, not only now, but as we get older, and we'll get into that in just a little bit. But number one, as a child, I need to obey and listen. Number two, as a young adult, I need to respect and revere. When you're growing up, you start getting to the age of accountability. You start getting to the age of working with them and alongside them. And you start to see the chink in their armor. You start to see their faults and their flaws. As a matter of fact, their faults and their flaws are probably blatant and big, bigger than anything else. Those are the things that most teenagers focus on. Those are the things that most young adults focus on. And they focus on those things that, that seem to have created you, in a sense. It's your, well, it's because of the way I was raised. Yeah. There's this, there's this thought that has been going on for many years. It's called nature nurture. It's, uh, you know, you come out to be because I, either you were born that way and that's inside of you or you were brought up that way because of your surroundings. And so I, I believe it's a little bit of both. You're born with certain personality traits. You're born with certain uh, innate abilities. You're born with certain things that, that are in you. And it's, it's up to your parents to bring that out of you. But there are a lot of things that we have learned because of our parents. A lot of things that we brought up. And so we, we have to respect them because, well, first of all, they're not perfect. And we're going to see these faults. And we have to look beyond that. But this world is making sure that your children see your faults. Okay. And you know what, parents? I want you to know something. That we pretty much help out that issue quite a bit. So we do the just being, well, again, inconsistencies. And as we talk about children or parents here in just a little bit, we need to respect them. You know, because they, they bring on the discipline. As a matter of fact, when Paul is talking, or the writer to the Hebrews is talking to the Hebrew people, he says in chapter 12, verse 9, Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. We should respect them for the discipline. And it doesn't feel good at first. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of the Spirit and life and live? What Paul is trying to get across here, or the writer to the Hebrews is trying to get across here, is that, you know, there's some discipline that our earthly fathers gave us, and it was painful, and we didn't like it, but when we look back, we realize, you know what? It, I, I needed it. Yeah. I deserved it. Yeah. I, I probably didn't need as much, but I, I know that I needed it. So as a young adult, so true. the Bible says, every one of you, in Leviticus 19.3, every one of you shall revere his father and mother. Now, getting to the point where I, I am now, you know, and the first two points were very applicable to me, you know, 27 years ago, back when I was 36, uh, yeah, that was a long time ago. As an adult, I appreciate and provide for my parents. Now, I don't have a father now. I have a mother. Some of you probably don't have either or. But here's, here's the point that I want to try to make across today. And how you honor your parents by listening to them, by respecting them, by revering them, by obeying them. And how you honor them. Guess what? Your kids... Your kids are looking at how you act and react. Your parents may not be with you anymore. They may be long gone by now. And that may be the case. Nonetheless, how you talk about them, what you say about them, and is, is what your kids are going to pick up because of you. As an adult, I appreciate them and I provide for them. They get to the point where you can't care for them and they can't care for themselves. And, and there, there's this great reversal that happens. It's, it's like the great reset, but this is this great reversal. At one time, your parents cared, nurtured, and took care of you. And now it's your turn to care, nurture, and take care of your parents. So 
And it's a difficult spot to be in. And, and, and parents, you need to be honorable in order to be honored. We need to be not a burden on our children, but we need to be able to raise them up. Proverbs 23, 22 says, Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. 1 Timothy 5, 3 and 4, Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make them return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of the Lord. As a matter of fact, Timothy goes on, Paul goes on to Timothy saying, anyone who does not care for his family is worse than an unbeliever. Is worse than an unbeliever. And so we are to care for those widows. And it's interesting because Paul wants to clarify this. He says, honor widows who are truly widows. And widows at this point in time, once again, they couldn't care for themselves. They were left to their own devices. Either they had children or they didn't. And if they had children, the children were responsible, according to Paul, to care for their moms and care for their grandmas. And they were the ones that were to step in and to help the widow to grow. But if there wasn't somebody to help the widow, that's where the church steps in and helps her out. What happens today is most children, most grandchildren, they pawn them off to uh, the church or to a rest home and let somebody else take care of them. And you know what? I, I don't want anything to do with this because I'm busy. I don't have time or whatever. It's just, it's just, a, it is. It's difficult. I know. I understand. I've had the honor and the privilege to care for my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law at the same time, you know, right before it, it got to, to be too, too late. My, my brother's doing that with my, my mom at home. You know, we fill in as often as we can. And yet the, the thing is, is that we want to honor and we want to help and we want to encourage and appreciate and provide for our parents. So when Paul says, children, obey your parents, there's three stages that we're in. We're either children, young adults, or we are older adults as an older adult. On the back of your outline, this is the, first of all, that was the submission to children. On the back of the outline, it's the submission of parents. The submission of parents. Parents are now, in this sense, what Paul is talking about, is to submit to the children. And here's how. You don't let them walk all over you. You don't let them call the shots. You don't, you know, those types of things. It says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Some of your translations will say something to the effect, do not exasperate your children. You know, how do I do that? I mean, what is that? How do I know if I'm even doing that? How do I provoke a child to anger? How is it that I would even do something like that? And Paul's commandment to the parents, first of all, it's negative. You know, do not provoke your children. This is the negative part. Don't, don't get them mad. Don't mess them up. Don't, don't mess with their head. Don't, don't, know those types of things. And some people are saying, well, how do I even, how do I even do that? How, how do I, how do I provoke a child to anger? How can I do something like that? How can I get them mad? You know, I'm, I'm trying to discipline them. Well, you know, something that parents do sometimes is this. Sometimes there's an overprotection. Well-meaning overprotection is a common cause of resentment in some children. We don't want them to go anywhere. We don't want them to take off anywhere. And we smother them and we restrict them and we, we keep them. We don't help them to make their own decisions. We don't let them make mistakes. And sometimes, oh, I think I, I touched on a... T- <laughs> okay, anyways, sometimes that, that, that kind of provokes a child. You know, you don't trust me, you don't like me. And, and, and it pushes them away even further than that. Do not provoke your children to anger. Another way that people do this is that parents do this, and, and we all do it. It's called favoritism. Yeah. You know, there's one that we favor more than the other. Come on. You know, and another come and call. And, and sometimes we do it just out of, we don't even realize that we do it. You know, and, and, and most of the time it's the oldest. And in my case, it's the oldest and the one that's mentally challenged. So I care for my daughter, and I, you know, and I, I've heard this. Just, you know, you, you care about her more than you do us. I go, well, she's the only one that comes to me and yells when I'm here. Dad's here. You know, she gets all excited. So they started getting all excited. Like, okay, get, get out of here. But, you know, favoritism sometimes, you know, it, it's some, it, sometimes we do it on purpose. 
You, you know, or comparison. We compare to one another. Well, your brother is a lot smarter than you are, or, you know, your sister can hit a ball better than you can, or, you know, you know, we start, how come you can't be like your brother? How come you can't be like your sister? Yeah. You know, and we start comparing and we start, you know, looking at the what they're doing. And and, and that tends to cause discouragement and resentment. And they withdraw and they get bitter, you know, and favoritism by parents generally leads to favoritism among the kids themselves. You know, and if you got a bunch of kids and you only have one that you favor, all the other ones are going to get against them as well. It's It just causes this conflict within, you know, and. and I, I, I'm not really too sure how this happens in a lot of homes. And, and well, I shouldn't say that because it's happened in my home. But the fact of the matter is, is that when we do this, sometimes people do it on purpose. And they talk bad about one child and they talk bad about the other child. And then they got, there they are fighting against each other. And I've seen in homes where the, the siblings are mad at each other because what they heard mom say or dad say. Yeah. And they're upset at each other. Yeah. And they're just kind of looking back and saying, yeah. <laughs> they like chaos. I don't know. Don't pick one. You, you know, it's, it's difficult enough as it is to raise children in this day and age and to cause this kind of conflict. Another way of uh, provoking your children to anger is, is these unreasonable expectations. You know, oh, great. I'm glad you got, you know, three A's and two B's. How come you can get five A's? You know, OK, you got five A's. So what are you going to do with that? Now, you know, can't you get better? You, can't you make more money? Can't you, you know, whatever it is. And, and as we're always expecting more, sometimes we talk to our children as if they were adults. You know, and I remember when I was when I was raising our children, I would tell my 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 children, go and clean your room. They'd walk in there and they just make a little path so they can they can get through. You know, OK, it's clean. Well, you know, I didn't expect. I wanted the, what I wanted was the way I clean. Okay, well, the best thing to do is to show them, look, this is how it should be done. I, I, they come back out, it's clean. I said, no, it's not. I don't see nothing wrong with this. And we have to give them instruction and help them. Sometimes we expect more than they can actually do. We expect so much more. Uh, and we have to watch, remember that they're just, they're just children. And they have, and they have the mind of a child. And so we have to talk to them as, as children. And, and, and what is it that, that has, you know, been expected of you? Think about this. You go to your first job and you, sh- you should have some sort of experience. And the things that you don't have experience on, they train you and they teach you. Now, once they've trained you and they taught you and you still, you're still doing it wrong, now it's, it's, it's a major concern. And, and children are pusher the envelope and they'll get, try to get you to the other side and knock you down, knock you over. But unreasonable expectations, very quick. You put so much pressure to achieve and to be better and to strive. And, you know, I, I've talked to people that are still, even today, parents are long and gone, still trying to prove their parents wrong, still trying to win their approval, still trying to get them to like them. And we, we, work, we need to be careful as how we do so. You know, you know another way that, that uh, we provoke our kids is by discouragement. We provoke them by discouragement. A child who, never, uh, who is never complimented or encouraged by his parents is destined for trouble. You know, you can't ever say, good job. This is okay, well, that was okay. You know, we never, we never pat them on the back or give them some reward, you know. And, and so we don't, we don't actually, you know, talk to them and encourage them. And, and you know, okay, so you messed up this time. Let's, let's see if we can do this again. And all along, not trying to be their friend, but trying to be the leader of the household. You know, another way that we discourage children is by ignoring them. Okay. Ignoring them. Just, you know, yeah, whatever. You know, just get out of my way. You know, I'm tired. I don't want to talk about it. Get away from me. And, and you know, sometimes that, that, that has happened a lot, at least in my, in my life. Get so busy. We have school. We have things going on. And, you know, and it's interesting because... Uh, I get this comment every once in a while. Says, you know, how, how come you never did that with our, with me? Why why are you like this with the grandchildren? Well, you know, when I was raising you guys, when I was raising you guys, I was doing life. Uh, we were trying to survive. You know, we I worked a lot of hours to make sure we had food on the table and the lights on. You know, and and now I don't have to worry about all that. You know, so bring the grandkids. You know, I'll raise them up. I'll I'll have good a good time with them. 
And we, we ignore sometimes the children because, you know what, this is my time, this is, I'm busy, I'm working, and, and that provokes them to anger. As a matter of fact, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 21, if you look at this, it says, Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. The same command that Paul gives to the people in Ephesus, he gives yeah. to the people in Colossus, and he tells them, don't do this because you know what? They're going to lose heart. They're going to lose heart. They're going to get embittered. They're, they're going to learn this, this rejection from a very early age. And when they learn this rejection from a very early age, what ends up happening is that they, they just lose heart. I can't do anything right. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't accomplish anything in life. And so we, we don't do... So. Another, another way is, um, of, of provoking our children is by inconsistency. What do I mean by that? Being inconsistent. Being inconsistent. You know, you, you come up with the plan. This is what I want you to do. Oh, you know what? I want you to do this instead. No, I want you to do this instead. You're not consistent with the, with the discipline. You're not consistent with the teaching. You're not consistent in your own life. You're not consistent in your own life. You know... There was a time when people would come to church and be screaming in the park, in the car, all the way to the parking lot. They open up the doors, so they walk in. Brethren, how art thou? And the kids are going like, what just happened? What just happened? We should go to church more often. You know, or, or, or you know, you tell, you tell the kids, you know what? I see, I see my, my buddy coming over. I don't want to hang out with him. Just tell him I'm not here. Just tell him I'm not here. You know, my dad said he's not here. You know, and you're teaching them how to lie, but yet they lie to you. Oh boy, inconsistencies. You tell them not to do something, yet you are doing it yourself. You tell them to, to clean their room, but you don't clean your garage. You know, you tell them to, to do certain things, and, and to them it's, it's very inconsistent. And these kids' minds, they're just trying to learn how to deal with life and how to gauge what it is that I need to do next. And it, and it, provokes children to anger. And and the the sad thing about this, you know, the sad thing about provoking them to anger is that anger can't be expressed as a child. child, If a child gets angry because of some inconsistencies, because of some some favoritism, because of, you know, expectations. And if the child expresses that, they don't know how to express it, but to just blow up. Throw a tantrum, throw things, and then they get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. And they're told to, to sit still while I instill. <laughs> they're told to not to blow up in such a way so that they would be able to, to just be, behave. And we try to control them through punishment. And we, we punish the, the, the poor child and he's, he's blowing up inside and, and he's made to just suppress it and suppress it. Did you know that a depressed person is depressed because of suppressed anger. The anger gets so suppressed so far, and they're so angry, and they can't let it out, it just leads them to depression. And when a person is so depressed and so upset at themselves, it's because of anger that has not been released. Anger that has not been released in such a way that is allowed to be released. And all we can, if we were just to, from the beginning, help a child express himself in such a way at his age level, their age level. The problem that, that with many parents is that we don't know how to do this. This is why God's word is telling you, don't, don't provoke your children to anger. Well, that's very good, but how do I do that? Well, you might want to find out what provokes children to anger. Here's some very simple, basic steps. These are things that children just cannot deal with in their young... Some of you can't even deal with that. I mean, if you showed up to work, say, hey, this is what I want you to do today. And your boss comes up and says, hey, what are you doing? What are you talking? Oh, I didn't tell you to do that. I want you to do that over there. Just, hey, you're not. I'm going to fire you. Keep talking. Well, you know, never mind. All right. And after a while, what are you doing over there? I mean, wouldn't you? How, how do you process something like that? Some of you are laughing because, yeah, I got a boss like that. <laughs> How do you process that information as an adult? As an adult, we, we, you know, we have to stand back and say, okay, there's something going on here. We can kind of figure out, okay, you know, you know there's something going on in this man's life, yeah. in this woman's life. Something happened. Yeah. You know, and so therefore, I just give him the benefit of the doubt. But for a child? And so then when a child starts to rebel and a child starts to, you know, we, we start to realize, okay, well, what I have to do now is I have to discipline this child. 
The problem with discipline is that many people still don't know how to discipline their kids. We're not able to discipline our kids anymore. The state says you can't touch your child. You know, you got to be careful on what you do. As a matter of fact, it's best if you don't discipline a child. Just let them go the way they want to go. And we have a generation of children that went the way they wanted to go. And now we have a, a distorted, messed up generation culture that kids are doing whatever it is that they feel like doing. You know, if somebody gets mad, you just pull out a gun and shoot somebody. You know, if they don't like the way, the way you're talking to them, they just, you know, start wailing off on you. You know, there's, there's no respect for humankind anymore. You know, I'm not saying that, you know, when I was growing up, I mean, you know, you just didn't talk back to your mom. You know, I mean, I, I did it once. Just once. <laughs> just once. And I, I was it. You know, today it's like, I mean, you see it all over the place. It's ugly. But when we try to discipline our kids, a lot of things happen. And the discipline starts to unfold in such a way that it becomes abuse. You know, and, and battered children are growing tragically today. I mean, it's just so many, even Christian parents. It seems like this, this, this physical discipline is, it, it just sometimes overexerts. You know, you lose control. You get so mad. And so you end up just, you spanking your child to the point of, you know what? I shouldn't have done it that way. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't discipline your children. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24, whoever despises the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, discipline, you know, when we discipline a child, it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be, uh, according to the punishment, has to fit the crime. You know, you can't just discipline a child for everything, you know. And you got to be willing to understand that not every time a child says no, you have to discipline them. You know, you can't discipline them in anger. See, because discipline, I was going to share this with you later. But you see, when when Jesus Christ and God, he, when he disciplines us, in Hebrews chapter, let's turn to Hebrews chapter 12. In your, in your Bibles, because this is kind of where I'm getting this information from. In Hebrews 12, and it says in verse 3, Hebrews 12, verse 3, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have, and you, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And then he quotes, then he quotes out of Joshua. He says, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves, and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without disciplining or discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Basically what the writer to the Hebrews is saying this, God disciplines you. And he disciplines you, and he'll go on to say, and we'll read that in a little bit, he'll go on to say that just like a father, an earthly father disciplines his children, that's how God disciplines us. But if you're not being disciplined, then you're an illegitimate child. I won't discipline the neighbor's kids, though I want to. You know, I'm, I'm not going to walk down the mall and see some kid, man, I'd, I'd like to just whack that kid, you know? One of the things that I have found out is that some kids that are screaming and yelling, you know, there's, there's something chemically imbalance that's going on in their lives. You know, for whatever reason, you know, people blame it on all kinds of reasons because of sugar, because of whatever. And, and, and the case is, the, the point, case in point is that the, there's kids out there that are, that, that, you know, just can't be controlled because of that. And, and um, you know, however, you know, there's some kids that you can control. There's things that you can be able to do. And, and the, the point that I'm trying to make is, is that if you're not being disciplined as a believer... If things aren't happening in your life, in essence, you know, every blessing that he pours down, I'm going to turn back to praise. When, when the sun is not shining, I'm going to continue to praise him anyways. Because he gives and he takes away. Why? Because he's disciplining you. 
He disciplines you. Let me read the rest of this, and then I'll touch some more about that. Besides, verse 9, this, we, had, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment... That the, for the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is why Paul says, do not exasperate your children. Don't exasperate them. Don't let them get away with things. Don't let them do whatever they want. Don't let them just, you know, just run the whole household. You know, be consistent. Don't have high expectations, higher expectations than they can actually perform. And, and you love them, you nurture them, you bring them up, you provide, I don't know if I got the, you got this outline, you provide godly direction for your children. You provide godly direction for your children, just like God directs you and He disciplines you. You see, and, and the discipline that we have that comes from God is the discipline that He Himself bestows upon us. You see, there's a difference between discipline and punishment. Discipline has to do with love. You discipline in love. Punishment is done in anger. Discipline is to move them forward. Punishment is to remind them of the past. It puts them back. Discipline reminds you that you can be better. Punishment reminds you that you're bad, you're no good, and you're, you're not a good kid. You see, there's a difference between discipline and punishment. And, and you can always know by the results that you are expo- expressing yourself. How is it that you're expressing this discipline? And this is how discipline happens in life. See, God has already taken care of punishment on the cross. All, all of our sin, everything that we have ever done and everything that God has, has punished has been taken care of on the cross. And He unleashed His wrath, His punishment on Jesus Christ so that I would not have to endure that punishment, that wrath. But today, what He does is He disciplines me in love. God's wrath, God's anger, God's hatred of sin was poured out upon Jesus Christ. And it pleased God to smite him, to crush him, to to destroy him in a sense. It was God's pleasure. He did it because that he didn't want that for us. His elect, his chosen are being disciplined every day. So when you're going through things in life and things are seem to be like, oh my, I can't believe this is happening. Then you need to praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name. You give and take away, you give and take away. And if you're going through these types of disciplines, a lot of things are going on in your life. This is not in your outlines, but you might want to write this down. Things happen in your life for four different reasons. Number one, it's because you're being tempted. Temptations. And when you fall into temptation, it's because what's happening is temptation is from Satan. And what Satan is trying to do is to draw you away from God. And so if you're tempted, you know, you're going to fall into troubles. You're going to, and you, especially if you draw away from God, you're going to fall away, fall into troubles and God's going to discipline you to get you back. Now, there's another way that happens uh, that we fall into troubles is by uh, the trials that God gives us. Sometimes God is testing your faith and he's proven your faith. If you can see that there's no temptation going on and there, you're still going through troubles, maybe God is putting you through a trial. And he wants to strengthen you and develop you and grow you. And trials are designed by God to draw you closer to him. You see that? Temptations draw you away from God. Trials draw you toward God. Then there's another way that things happen. No fault of your own. People trespass against you. People that are trespassing against you, they trespass against you in a sense where they do something to you that you had no control over. And it could be, in this sense, as fathers to children. Some of you have been hurt deeply by your parents, or maybe not even your parents. Maybe they didn't protect you because of somebody in your family, somebody that you looked up to. And these trespasses that are upon you has caused a lot of troubles in your life. And, 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 And God knows these things that have happened. It's not that He caused these things to happen. But these things are trespasses are not 
a result of your own doing, not a result of what, only the result of what somebody else has did. And then another way that we run into all kinds of problems in our life is our own troubles, what we do. You know, my own stupid fault. Okay, things that I say, things that I do, things that I, you know, because of me. Now, let me ask you something. When you're going through problems, when people are going through problems, which one do you think they blame the most? You think they blame God, they blame Satan, they blame other people, or do they blame themselves? Most of the time they blame God and Satan. It's, oh, the devil made me do this, or God is testing me, or that person. Very rarely does it we blame ourselves. And you know what? You know who causes the most problems in life? Right here. Well, here's what to do. I'm just not going to give you the, the, the diagnosis. I'm going to give you the remedy as well. If you're being tempted by Satan, the Bible says resist. Resist. Resist the devil and he would flee. Not fight him. Not pull out your sword. Not want to box him. Not argue with him. Resist him. Get away from him. Jesus quoted scripture. Quote scripture. But it's not just the scripture. It's the applied word of God. Jesus didn't just say it. He did it. I heard yesterday at a memorial service that the pastor would say, look, read it and do it. That was his favorite term. Read it and do it. I like that term. Read it and do it. You know, you can read it to Satan. You can quote it. I would say, oh, yeah, I know that scripture. Doesn't it say? And you guys can be sitting there. Yeah, you guys can have Bible study together. You will. Read it and do it. And, and, and if, it's, if it's a trial that God is bringing you through, then rest. Rest in His arms. Okay, Lord, I'm just going to rest. And I can see that this is not something that, 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 somebody, that Satan's doing, that, that you're trying to try me through this situation. I'm just going to rest in your arms because I know that all things work together for good for those who are called according to your purpose. Amen. All things work together for good who love you. And if there are trespasses that people are doing against you or have done against you, release them. Let them go. You know, in, in, in honoring your parents, it's difficult to honor your parents that have done some horrendous damage in your life or to the family. It's difficult to, to release them. But you know, you, you know, and, and, when I, when I shared this message the very first time, I had some young lady come up to me. You don't know the things I've been through. You don't. Yeah, you know, she was just adamant and crying. I, I'll never forgive my father. I'll, you know, and, and it was, you know, and I, I, my heart poured out to her. If I forgive him, he'll get away with everything. I says, well, first of all, he's not getting away with anything. Number one, you know, God is going to deal with that, that situation. And number two, it's not for him. It's for you. There you go. It's not so that he can feel better about it. It's so that you can feel better about it. Release it. But I don't know, you know, and it took us a little bit of a while, but she released it. And some of you have been hurt deeply by parents, you know, and it's it's something that, you know, I I learned this a long time ago through a pastor that was preaching this message and he said something about forgiveness and you got to forgive people and then he's talking about parents and and how they hurt you and then you know and then and then I said well you know it's just, I can't can't do anything about it no more my dad's long and gone and dead you know he died when I was nine years old and and I still remember the the horrific things that happened in our family and then he says at the end of the sermon some of you probably don't have that person in your life right now they may be long and gone I go okay that's me so here's what you need to do he says, you know, what you need to do is you go home, you know, in a room by yourself, you know, all by yourself, put a chair in front of you and sit right across it and then just unleash. Just tell them everything you want to tell them and then release them. Just release, just let them go, forgive them. I go, wow, you know, so I, I went home and I sat down. And I go, that's a stupid idea. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> sit here and talk to a chair. And I didn't, I didn't. And, uh, you know, before, a long time ago, before I was saved, and this is right after I got saved, and, and before I got saved, you know, I used to go to my father's graveside, and I used yeah. to kick yeah. it and spit on it, and ah, you know, I was, I was just a very angry young man, you know, and so, yeah, thank you, I still am. <laughs> and, we, and then, you know, after this mess, weeks, months later, I guess, I don't know, I went by there again, and, uh, you know, just, and, and I, I was able to, to do that. I was able to, as, as an adult, I was able to just, uh, you know, and, 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 let, and let life changed. 
life, life changed. And, and, and it, it, yes, well, it took time for me to understand it, but once I did it, it was done. And so from that point forward, it was something that I just didn't have to hold on to. I didn't have to carry that burden in my life. You see, parents are are supposed to be honorable. They're supposed to be honorable, but sometimes they're just not. And that's just the society. that we. It still doesn't mean you can't honor them. You need to honor them. And you need to go up to them. And, and, you know, here's the thing. You might go up to a person and say, you know what? It could be a parent, somebody else. You know, I want to forgive you. They're, they're probably going to say something like, forgive me for what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what why, should, why should I forgive for what? I don't even know what I, well, you know, I've been holding on to this for a very long time. And, and you know what? This is what happened. This is, well, and they'll say one of two things. You know, you're stupid. You know, I says, I never did that. Or I can't believe you. Hold, you know, get out of here. And it'll probably upset you even more so. But what you need to do is just say, you know what? I did my part. Or, or what should happen is, you know what? I felt terrible since that time. And I didn't mean that. I didn't mean to say it that way. I didn't mean yeah. to do that. Yeah. Or I did it at a, whatever the case. You know what? But thank you. In spite of what the response might be, you, as a regenerated believer... Yeah. Are to forgive yes. your enemies. Amen. That's a must. Amen. You forgive them, Amen. and you forgive them, and you say, you know, that's it. Now, if we want to develop this relationship back up, then there needs to be a trust developed. See, forgiveness is a must, but trust is a different issue. Yes, it is. You don't let them back in just because you forgave them. You don't let them back in and say, okay, come on in and destroy my life again. So true. Not unless there's this trust that's being built. And trust is built by the, well, first of all, the repentance of the person, the genuine repentance. They're no longer doing this. If whatever it is, got counseling, went to class or whatever, you know, just changed. Then you can rebuild that relationship again. But your responsibility in the sight of the Lord is to forgive. And it is for your benefit. James says, you know, if you need healing, you, 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 if you need forgiveness, you, you, you ask God. But if you need healing, you confess your sins to one another. And he will heal you. You see, because punishment cannot be done in anger. You're provoking your children. And perfect love drives out all fear. Yeah. All fear. And how, how do I, how do I uh, as a parent, that's the negative aspect. Provide godly, do not, do not provoke your children to anger by providing godly direction. And then bring, up, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Provide godly instruction for your children. Provide godly instruction for your children. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. This is not a promise. This is a proverb. This is not, you know, 100%. Okay, if I bring them to church, then they should be good. No. This is a proverb. In other words, you're training, you're developing, you're growing. It's like any tree that you would plant. And if it starts going crooked, you kind of want to straighten it out. But just because you, the tree was going crooked and you straighten it out doesn't mean that it's going to bear fruit. You still have to nurture it and care for it, but now it's going in the right direction. I remember what this wise old woman once told me. She was very old, and I was just raising my children, and she said to me this, bend the reed while it's young. I go, what? Bend the reed while it's young, she would tell me. Get that reed and bend it to how you want it to go. And you, you bring them to church, you teach them about God, you, you help them to grow, but still, that does not, is not a promise that they're going to continue on in that way because we are sinful people. Regeneration has to happen in their life. But you provide the resources, the fertilizer, the watering, the cultivating of that child to get them to the point where they can see the grace of God. And they can't see the grace of God if you're being, uh, well, all those things that we talked about. If you're provoking them to anger, they can't see the grace of God. So you train them up. You see, in, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, the very first command after the Shema, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. And, and that was the, the mantra of the Jewish people. They would, they would pray it out every, every time they got together. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And right after that, God said this. He says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, talk about God's word all the time. You bind it on your foreheads, put it on your wrists, have it labeled over your doorposts. Wherever you walk, wherever you go, sunrise, sundown, you talk about God and you talk about His love because it's all about God. I was talking to somebody yesterday about, about you know, salvation. And, and, I, and I said to him, I says, look, you know, why do you think God saved you? Well, because I was doing this, because He wants me to do that. It's not about you. It's not about you. God saved you because of Himself. What did He save you from? Well, He saved me from myself because I was this. And I, no. God saved you from his wrath. God's wrath is upon the wicked, upon the unregenerated. God's wrath is coming down upon those that do not recognize Jesus Christ as Lord. God saved you from himself. God's wrath is going to come. And if you're not regenerated, guess what? You're part of that, uh, that, that wrath that God is displaying. He saved you from himself. And it is about you. It is not, it's, excuse me, it's not about you. It's about God. Everything, the Bible is to glorify God in everything. And we know this because we've been reading the Bible. It's all about God. Discipline, in, in Proverbs 29, 17, discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will give you delight. And the last verse I want to share with you is this. But as for you, Continue on what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul is talking to Timothy, a young man. His, his mom and his grandmother raised him up in the faith. Timothy was a, he was a, a mixed breed, I guess. He was Greek and he was Jew. And his father was Greek and his mom was Jewish. And they raised him up in the, in the writings and they prayed for him and they developed him. And when Paul found him, he saw that this man had a zeal for God. And Paul led him to the Lord, baptized him and installed him as a pastor of the church of Ephesus of the Bible that, or the book that we're talking about right now. And he was the pastor over this church. And as he was leading this church, Paul says, but as for you, continue what you have learned. And from a very young age, he was brought up in the word of God. Paul brought it to light for him and he illumined the word of God for him. And he says, what you firmly believe, you got to know what you believe. Before you can go wide, you must go deep. You got to go deep into the word, into the doctrines, into the teaching. Because if you try to go wide with no foundation, it's just going to crumble. And that's where we're at today in society. We are crumbling. The society is crumbling. Knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. These sacred writings, the word of God, uh, the Bible, always relate back to what God has spoken to us. When we look at this portion of scripture, the submission of children and the submission of parents, how do we submit to our children? We submit to them by, well, first of all, not provoking them to anger. We don't provoke them to anger. We, we, we help them. We nurture them. We, we grow them up. And as they start to grow, they will develop in their thinking. Now, here's one, here's one scary thing right now. Right now, that most kids are being developed and their thinking is being developed by a program called TikTok, Facebook, Snapchat, um, I don't know, Twitter, uh, Instagram. You know, right now on TikTok, if you're looking at these pictures and stuff and he says, hey, that's a pretty cool picture, and you press like, guess what happens? You'll start getting a lot of videos and pictures with whatever it is you clicked on. If you like football, boom, all these videos of football come in. And they start marketing to you because of what you like. You know, if you pick cars, boom, all these pictures and 
of videos and cars that uh, that you like, and they'll start marketing to you. They just start showing you these yeah. these websites that you can go to. You you pay on them, and they get you hooked, and and you know you, they start making money off you. And as a young man, if you like girls, you know the 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 porn industry has figured out a way on how to get your kids by using TikTok. Press a little like, boom, you're gonna get all these pictures and videos and. You know, wow. What is young man going to say? Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I do like that. I like this one. And I like that one. Yeah. Our culture, and I'm not just talking about kids. Our culture is being transformed so by social media. So true. I, I, I can't believe in how many people I talk to that claim to be Christians. And I talk to them about the basics of the, the gospel. What? It's not, what do you mean it's not about me? It's not about you. It's about God. What do you mean? What do you mean that God doesn't want me to be happy? No, <laughs> He wants you to be holy. You know, you get happiness out of holiness, but you're not going to get holiness out of happiness. Okay. If you pursue happiness, but isn't that my my God given right? Aren't I supposed to? You know, well that's that's the Declaration of Independence. We're talking about the Word of God. Man. God wants you to be holy, Man. separate, different. Oh, and, it, and it's and it just. Beloved, you have to go deep before you can go wide. And where do you start? You start at home. As I mentioned right before the start of this, I did this when I was a lot younger. Kids are grown, got grandkids now. It's a different, it's a different time. It really is for me. And, and I've noticed, uh, and I've seen a lot of the mistakes I've made. I have to, first of all, repent. I have to, first of all, repent and ask God to forgive me and have, have Him show me through His Word how it is I can carry this forward. It's not too late. It's not too late. You have parents, you need to talk to them. You don't, you talk to God. You have children, talk to them. You don't, you talk to your parents. You know, it's just a matter of getting back to the biblical basis. And it's not that hard. The problem is, is that our society is attacking our faith and our family. And it's tearing it down so that it can build it back up to what it wants to be. But see, I'm not telling you something that you don't already know. You already know this. You see, you've been hearing the voice of the dragon for many years. And the, when the voice of the dragon starts to speak, it starts, the first thing it wants to do is get rid of all the, the biblical things, you know, like the prayer in school, the Ten Commandments, and the, you know, this, all this stuff has just been going on. And you know this. You know, all this stuff is going to happen. You know, you know that all this is, I'm not telling you anything new. I'm just saying that you have to, we all have to get back to the basics of the Bible. This is how it's supposed, they're going to restart everything and bring it back into a one world order. Come on. I mean, this is not, this is not new. You know this. The problem is, is that many Christians aren't willing to do anything about the change. They're afraid of the repercussions. They're afraid of the persecution. They're afraid of people not liking them. They're afraid of what they're going to do and offend somebody. You know, there's this, um, this story, and I'll conclude with this. There's a story of a fireman that says, you know, I'm a fireman. And so therefore, because I'm a fireman, people know that I'm a fireman. And if I drive up my truck and there's a house burning out there, I'm just going to stand out there and act like a fireman. You know, just be really, you know, I'll have my water hose and, you know, and if people are burning inside, I'll just, maybe they'll see me and they'll want to be like me. And so therefore, I think I'm doing a good job by just showing up. Yeah. And I'll just be a fireman, yeah. you know. That, that is so ludicrous. That is crazy thinking. Because a fireman goes to the house, pulls the people out, and douses out the fire with every ounce of energy and technology that he has to take care of those people. So true. You know, a lot of Christians, they act the same way. I'm a Christian. Now, people's going to hell. But you know what? As long as they look at my life, and they see how I have a Bible, I have the tools, and, and I look good. And I go to a good church, and maybe if they see me, they will be influenced to, you know, come to be like me. You know how proudful and prideful that is and how boisterous? You know, you, really, they look at you and they're going to get saved? Wow. No. You have to be telling them. You have to be sent. How will they listen and how will they hear if you're not sent, if you don't tell them? As a parent, as a child, we've done many mistakes. It's a matter of taking the Word of God to the people, those that are closest to us, especially your children. Let me ask you to stand.
especially your parents. You're thinking, you know, pastor, they're not going to like me. They don't like you already. If you're a genuine redeemed believer, they don't like you already. So true. Okay, if you're a Christian, they don't like you already. You know, you're, you, what are you going to lose? You really can't lose anything. They're, they're, they're already going to tell you you're nuts and crazy. I mean, they're going to hate me. Well, they already hate you. And it's not you that they hate. They hate God. Yeah. They hate God. Yeah. So just be obedient. Thank you, Lord, once again for your word. And Lord, we know that uh, we have come to a place in our, in our historical life, Lord, in, in our life. Yeah. That we're starting to th- see things just unfold before us in the way that uh, we'd never seen before. And, and Lord, I just pray that you help us to, to be true to your word and do that which we need to do. Lord, the more that we look at our culture, the more that we hear about the things that are going on, the more that's happening and, and, and the voice of the dragon that's just out there on, on places that, that just seem to be so innocent. Father, I pray that you help us to be strong and firm. You've called us to go and make disciples. You've called us to preach the word. So Lord, that's what we're about to do. Thank you once again for the small group of believers that believe that you can use a handful of believers to proclaim your, your, your ministry and your mystery, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. All right. Praise God. Thank you, brother.